Well, let me take you uh, into a word that the Apostle Paul prepared for his spiritual son, Timothy. I believe that as an apostolic church, we're in a study on what it means to be apostolic. This is an apostolic message for the day and the hour. It was spoken to Timothy, and with that, it needs to be spoken to the church. And so as Paul spoke this to Timothy, he told him what he wanted to accomplish. Basically, I want to summarize that by saying we need to work hard, play by the rules, and serve your master. So if you will please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, we will go there, but before we do, let me give you a little bit of an introduction. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul said this, he said, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. So a charge is an order, it's a command. And the apostle is declaring to Timothy a command. He says, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Paul is telling Timothy to engage in war. And it's important for the church to understand the day and the hour. There is a prophetic power over God's people. What I love about this verse in how Paul is commanding Timothy, he's saying, I am commanding you to engage in warfare based on the prophetic words over you. Okay? Did you get that? 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So there is a word, a prophetic word. It's a Jesus now word. You see, the testimony of Jesus is the gift of prophecy or the word prophetic. And so there is a word over Timothy. Paul would know because later on in the book of Timothy, he said, Timothy, stir up the gifts that are within you that were poured into you by laying on of hands. Paul was the guy who laid hands on. He saw, he witnessed the gifts that were stirred into Timothy and the prophetic words pronounced over Timothy. And so Timothy is not just doing, oh, whatever, church work. I think I'll go do this for church and we'll have a bingo party and maybe we'll raise funds and, and, and build this or do that and, and maybe we'll have an outreach. No, Timothy is moving in a warfare under the authority of the prophetic utterance of God. And I want to declare to every one of you here today, you have a prophetic word over your life. You have had the hands laid on you by the Lord Jesus Christ. He has spoken a word over you. He has given you a name that is written down in heaven. That name has prophetic significance to you and you alone. You are unique and rare to Him. And there is a word that you are walking in for this day and this hour, in your time and in your life. I don't know what you're going through, but God's got a prophetic utterance over you so that you can wage a good war and do His bidding. You know, what happens is people get saved, we get into the church, and we say, you know what, just coast till you're dying, and you'll get to heaven, and we're good. There's so much more to this. We are in a warfare. And if you're saved, you've been engaged in war. And God has given you a command and a word over you. 
that has prophetic unction and power. The church needs to understand the times in which we live and what we should do in them. There's the presence of the prophetic, right? The sons of Issachar discerned the times and knew what Israel should do. They were a prophetic lot. They were the smallest group at that time. It's the tribes of Israel. But Israel needed their spiritual intelligence. We don't have to be the biggest church on the block, but could we be a spiritually intelligent group? And hear the word of the Lord, amen? And know what to do. God always whittles an army down so that that army will stay dependent on him. Gideon had many men and God just whittled it back to 300 so that everybody would pay attention to the prophetic word of God for their lives. And so it is with the church in America. There's a, a falling away that's going to happen. There is going to be a reducing, a reduction in the number of believers. But I'm believing that there's going to be a, a charging up of true believers to stand in this day and in this hour. Amen? And so Paul is telling Timothy, based on the prophetic words of your life, Timothy, I know the gifts and callings on you, and I know it among you as a people of Christ's community. And he said, I want you to get in there and wage a good war. You know what God needs? He needs warriors, not warriors. Amen? Amen. That I got a big reaction in the first service, and I wish I could say I came up with it, but I didn't. But it's good, isn't it? And, and you heard the word this morning about fear not. There's fear in the camp, fear in what we do. God needs warriors, not warriors. Worrying will do nothing in the spirit realm except cripple you. And you may worry about others, but instead of worrying for them, could you begin to war for them? Become a warrior for them. Whatever the situation is, don't worry about it, war about it. Amen? And if you're worried about yourself, you've got to focus on the wrong thing. Don't worry about you. Your commander-in-chief is in control. He's got your six. That's fancy for he's got your back, right? 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock. He's got you. Amen. All right. So basically, what Paul is going to tell Timothy, and what he's telling the church is, it's time to put on your big boy pants. Fill those shoes. Fill those pants. Now, when I consider putting on your big boy pants, right? Man up. Men and women, man up. Put your big boy pants on. Because whose pants are we supposed to be wearing? Jesus, Ephesians 4 11 said, again, some of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip us for works of service so that we would attain to the full measure or stature of Christ Himself. So it's time for the church to put on the big boy pants. Put on your Jesus pants. Put on your Jesus shoes, right? Feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're wearing his armor. We're wearing his clothes. And so it's time for the church to get ready. We need to get ready. This is the day and this is the hour. Listen. We war not against flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities, spiritual forces in high places. Don't we? But isn't it interesting that those spiritual authorities and powers that we are at war with, they are actually using weapons against us that are made out of people. 
I think in the Middle East, whenever they uh, want to fight back, a lot of times they don't have weapons. So what do they pick up? They pick up rocks and stones and sticks and throw them at people. You see that all the time over in the Middle East, right? Well, the enemy picks up all the rocks and stones of people. We fight a warfare against the principalities and demon hosts, but he uses the weapons of people against us, doesn't he? But it's not those weapons of people being thrown at us. They may be angry at us. They may do things to us. They may hurt us, abuse us, or whatever. But they're not the problem. It's the one who is using them. In fact, those who are coming against us are the ones that we are, in fact, supposed to be reaching out and saving. And we need to be a witness, as the, again, the prophetic word came forward this morning. A week ago, well, just last Monday, I had the privilege to stand up among uh, a number of pastors. We had about 70 there at the courthouse down in Detroit as we were walking around and carrying signs for traditional marriage. And uh, we were out there declaring to everybody that Michigan had already voted that marriage is defined by one man and one woman and by two-thirds vote in this state, right? Uh, and uh, a judge is just about to overturn that. And it was interesting, an interesting dynamic took place. I had gotten there early and I was walking in the line and in the circle. It's kind of funny because I got there, they handed me a sign and I started walking. And as I was walking in the circle, a guy coming towards me said, turn the sign around. <laughs> oh, it was white. <laughs> I was blank for a while. Nobody knew where I stood. Oops, that's embarrassing. So anyway, so I'm, I'm walking along, and, and so at that time, there were about 30 folks who were for traditional marriage, and maybe about 6 to 10 folks who were pro-gay and lesbian. And uh, we became one line in one group. And, and so as we're standing in line, and I'm behind some young ladies that were lesbian, and a couple, uh, we began talking. And in our discussion, we was freezing. We were really cool. We started talking and chatting. So what's your view on this? How do you feel about it? And we began to talk. Just about that time we, we, we were uh, having discourse and communication, uh, uh, the rest of the pastors had come and shown up. And so, like I said, they piled up. We had about 70. And they called us, all you folks, to come down to one side. And they said, get in lines of two. And uh, they had a bullhorn out there and Bibles and, and started reading verses and let's pray and all this. And I was standing in line with them and I was looking back and seeing where the gay and lesbian group was. And it, it didn't feel right for me uh, that we were all here. And, and it's right for them and us to be there and make our stand. But something wasn't right for me. And so as we were standing there, we, they decided we're going to walk around the courthouse and we're going to sing, we're going to declare and uh, be soldiers in the army of God and all that. And as they were getting ready to start, I thought, I liked it better over there. And so I left the line and got out of line and I went back to the, to the uh, couple of ladies that I was talking to. And so as the, the, the group of pastors, again, you're going to find in this warfare that we're in that there are places you need to stand and places other folks need to stand. And you don't need to judge or determine. But let them follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, all right? It wasn't right for me to be in that line because I had made connection and I wanted to minister to these two ladies. And the rest of the group needed to be there so that the news could see it and the reporters could see it, but I needed to be here where no one could see it. And so I was ministering to these two young ladies. The, the lady was cold. I gave her my gloves. 
we began to talk, we began to chat, and as the, the army of pastors were coming through, they were singing, we are soldiers in the army of the Lord, bring it to the streets and all this, and, and I could tell these two girls were like, <laughs> scared. And I said, you know what, this, you've got to understand something. And I said, and I know a lot of these pastors, I said, these are good men. And I said, they're concerned for our society and the structure of our society based on redefining, or better put, undefining marriage. And I said, you may not understand it. A lot of people nowadays don't get the warfare language. They don't understand it. And so I was explaining to them, when we say we're soldiers in the army of the Lord and we're going to war and going to battle, it's in the heavenlies. It's against spiritual principalities. It's not against you. We care for you. Nobody hates you. We love you. We care for you. And we want you to hear what we're saying and understand why we're saying what we're saying. And I had an opportunity to explain that. I tell that story because as we are engaging in warfare, you're going to have to remember that the people who may, the enemy may be throwing at you are the very people you're trying to win. They may hurt you. They may offend you. But they're, in fact, the object of his affection. He wants you to win them to them. And so you're going to see people in place over here doing certain things, maybe being very radical or saying certain things. They may need to, but you may be over here where no one sees, and you're saying something and ministering to one or two. Don't worry about the placement. You listen to the command of God for you Amen. and do what you need to do. Amen? Amen? And so Paul was telling Timothy, based on the prophetic word over you, I want you to fight the good warfare. And so turn with me to 2 Timothy 2.3. This is our text and this is where we begin. So what he told Timothy is this. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. King James says, endure the hardship of a good soldier. That's not very pleasant. I thought I got saved, I get all sorts of benefits, Jesus loves me, I get blessings, he gives me money back when I give him money, and, and everything's good and rosy, I'll find the person that I'm to be with for the rest of my life, it's a beautiful thing, and, and then I die and go to heaven and walk in streets of gold. And then you get saved and everything just crumbles. And then you realize God's tearing everything down so that he can build it up his way. Because the construction that we put together is really weak and feeble. But we get very precious with it. And we hold on to it. God is doing that with a lot of you. And what Paul is telling Timothy is, look, be a good soldier, boy. Get in rank and file. And endure the hardship. Can you imagine soldiers, right? There's, I remember there was a movie way back called Private Benjamin where this, uh, this woman joined the army, right? She didn't know what to do, so she joined the army, and she was real frou-frou and girly and all this, and joined the army. It's hilarious, because they're calling her to get in line and all this. It's like, it's too early. I'll break a nail. I just had, you know what I mean? Is, is the church there? And, and so God wants us to get in line, rank and file, and share in suffering. Could you imagine if that was your uh, uh, application for salvation? If that's how you approached people? 
You know, if you want to get saved, you know, you need Jesus. Can I encourage you to suffer and lose your life for the Lord Jesus Christ? Till he completely breaks you down and you recognize that there's nothing good within you. But that's the truth, isn't it? But when you discover that truth, how much quicker you find the glorious life that you live? It's in Jesus Christ who becomes the, the heart of everything that motivates you. So Paul says, look at share in the suffering of a good soldier. What Paul is saying apostolically to Timothy is get ready for this new level that you need to walk into. And so he gives him three illustrations of what he should do. He starts with the illustration of a soldier. And he says this to Timothy. No soldier gets entangled with civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who entrusted him. The job of a soldier is to do what his commander says and nothing else. He's not to get entangled or tripped up with civilian affairs. Now, does Paul, is Paul saying, you know, well, well, be a soldier. Don't get involved in politics. The church shouldn't be involved in politics. No, he's not saying that. Well, the church shouldn't be involved in business and, and enterprise. No, he's not saying that. Church shouldn't be involved in the arts and all that. No, he's not saying that. He's saying this. Be a soldier, but don't be entangled in civilian affairs. Basically, don't be double-minded. In other words, Jesus put it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. As a soldier, you can enter, as a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, enter into politics, but be single-minded as to why you are running for office so that you can bring the Christian worldview into that realm. If you're in business, then do it singly focused, not for your personal gain, but for the gain of the kingdom of God in business or in the arts or in entertainment or whatever field that we can find ourselves in. We can take a poll as to where you all work and the same thing is there. You should be singly focused at what you do at your desk every day is for your company unto the glory of God. Amen? Amen. And so you serve as a soldier who's not double-minded. Can you imagine a double-minded soldier on the battlefield? Right? Should I go left? Should we go right? Next thing, he's down. you got to know where to go. When, you're, when your leader says, run, you run. When he says, fall, you fall. And so the Lord is commanding us and he's directing us. There's a rule in battle that you always go with the last order given. If you haven't heard from the Lord in a while, but you know what he did tell you about a month ago or a year ago, stay with it. Stay with it. You haven't heard a new course yet, stay with it until he prophetically speaks into your life for a change. And do that. It's interesting. He says no soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs or being double-minded. A little later in 2 Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, For Demas was in love with this present world, has deserted me to go to Thessalonica. His co-labor, his co-soldier with him, to Demas, what happened to him? He was double-minded. The things of the world caused him to go over to Thessalonica. I'm done here. This isn't working for me. I don't like it. Well, a soldier can't decide, you know what, I don't want to go to war today. I'm not feeling it. 
It's hot out here. You know, Afghanistan and Iraq, it's hot out here. There's sand everywhere. It's in my shoes. I just don't want to fight today. And I'm sure the sergeant would say, no problem, we'll call on someone else. Right? Where's the church in America when the sound of revelry, when the sound to rise up and sound the alarm of God is in the hour? You've heard the prophecies this morning. Do you not know the day and the hour? It is time to show up on the battle line. So we've got to be soldiers who are not double-minded. You don't serve you and Jesus. You serve Jesus. Amen? So that's what God is having us do. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I'll help you understand it a little better. Paul said this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In other words, you don't have any rights. Okay. How many, how many of you are Christians here? How many, how many are Christians? Okay. And according to Galatians 2.20, you were crucified. You no longer live. But it is Christ living in you. And so show up for the war. Because God said, glorify me in your body. And if he's telling you to reach the lost, what should we do? Yeah, I'm going to try that again. If God is telling us to reach the lost, what should we do? Reach the lost! If he's calling us to disciple the nations, what should we do? Disciple the nations! All right, so he gave orders 2,000 years ago, and they have not changed. So we must do this, right? So we must be good soldiers, as the Lord said. Now he goes on in verse 5, and he gives us Another illustration. He says, as an athlete, an athlete is not crowned unless he completes according to the rules. You can't run a race. Do you imagine a guy running a 440, running a lap around the track, and he's running and he sees and he goes, you know what? If I cut right across this field, I'll beat everybody. <laughs> so he leaves his lane, cuts across the field, runs through the finish line, goes, yeah! Stupid, you're disqualified. There are rules of engagement. You cannot live and witness to the glory of Jesus Christ as a temple of the Spirit of Holiness and lie and cheat and deceive and steal and do whatever you want. If you're an athlete, you got to run according to the rules. If you're a soldier in the army of Jesus, you can't be cheating. You can't be stealing. You can't be sinning. You can't be breaking the very laws of God's own holiness as you're a representative of that holiness. Nobody likes that. Right? That's deception. How many of you guys felt bad when this guy showed up? I mean, I used to think this guy was awesome. Amazing! Superhuman! They tested me and be like, he can do any race. Yeah, America! Right? Live strong. People wear those braces. Yeah! Alright! Come on, did anybody else love what this guy did? I was awesome! So you're supposed to live strong until we all found out we lived wrong. 
did this do for all his records, witness, and testimony? Disqualified. Completely. How many of you have heard of evangelists and preachers and preaching the word and preaching with conviction and making declaration and saying to do this and follow the Lord only to find out later that they were conniving and taking and skidding money or sleeping around or doing something. What does that do? It disqualifies their witness. No, it doesn't. It makes everybody know that we're all sinners saved by grace. Come on. Disqualifies us. Now, let me ask you, athletes. You're in the race of the Lord. Run in your lane. Do what you should be doing. Run for the Lord Jesus Christ. Serve Him to the best of your ability. Paul continually tells Timothy in the book of Hebrews and others, he says, take off the sin that so easily entangles you so that you can run this race looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Don't get entangled. Don't be double-minded and run according to the rules. What are the rules? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Look, if you can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body because you're involved in ministry, quit ministry and love God. He needs that more than anything else. That's what he wants from you. He can get a job done, but he needs people who will be true witnesses of who he is. Amen? Don't you worry about someone else. Don't worry about the guy over there. Right? How many of you remember Peter? When, when, when uh, uh, Jesus is restoring Peter, and he says, feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? He says, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep, right? And then he says, Peter, when you are old, you will no longer be putting your sandals on and tying your shoes or going where you want. Someone will put you where you're going to go. He's just kind of prophesying the death he was going to have. And after Jesus says that, what's the first words out of Peter's mouth? What about John? And I love Jesus' response. What's that to you? And I think a lot of you need this from Jesus. Okay? What's that to you? Right? How many of you hear a testimony of someone else and go, Jesus, that's in my prayer. And you're going, oh, how can they always get it? When am I going to hit the lottery of Jesus? What's that to you? It may not go the way you ever want it to go. It's supposed to go the way he wants it to go. Amen? Jesus said, hey, look, if I keep that guy around until I return, what's it to you? Right? Okay. So then Peter did what he was supposed to do. Let's be like, not him, <laughs> athletes who run according to the rules of engagement. They're not the world's rules, they're God's rules. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and Sadducees, you'll have no part of this kingdom. And how does our righteousness exceed theirs? By the indwelling of the spirit of holiness within us that we live by, run by, walk by, and achieve the goals of God. He then goes on and he uses a third illustration of a farmer. And he says this in verse 6, it's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of his crops. The hard-working farmer who will receive it. Well, the first words I consider are hard-working. In other words, what you sow, you will reap. If you sow little, you will reap little. If you sow much, 
you will reap much. Let's keep going with it. If you sow in righteousness, you will reap righteousness. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh. Okay, so, so there is a lot of work here to be done. And you need to be diligent as a farmer. You need to work hard. You plant the seed. You turn up the fallow ground. You make the soil good and ready. Like our hearts need to be churned up in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we came here and began worshiping Him and engaging ourselves in appreciation and thankfulness to God. And as that's churned up, then we put the seed of the Word in, we begin to water it, we live by it, we care for it. And as it grows, we will reap the harvest of it. What will happen is literally we will stand before the Lord and reap or receive back what we built upon the foundation He gave us in Christ Jesus. It'll either be wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. So be a good farmer. And don't grow weary in well-doing. Man, there's times where farmers go through dry seasons, drought. That's crazy. Any of you ever studied the dust hole that happened out west? Saw what happened. They had overused the land so much that it literally changed the climate to where it became sand. They couldn't grow it anymore. Couldn't grow anything. And after a while, since they couldn't grow anything, locusts came, started chewing and eating everything up. And then after the locusts, there were rabbits, hares, uh, that came everywhere and infiltrated the land. Isn't that like the enemy? Isn't that like the devil? Right? And there are people who didn't quit there. They stayed. They worked through it. And they found their way through it. Look, you might be going through a desert right now. You might have the locusts that came in and now it's those stinking jackrabbits are jumping everywhere out here. But you need to hang in there. You need to endure. Like a good soldier, don't give up the fight yet. Don't give up. That's what the people of God need to be. Especially in this day and in this hour. The church will never give this nation up. They may take it away. They may change its laws. But we will never give up this nation. We will pray for it. We will seek God for it. And we will stand our position for what is right and true. To do otherwise would be to deny our Lord and Savior. Some of you are going to be put to that test. It's going to be a concern for your life or for your testimony. That is the number one thing the churches that are persecuted around the world they pray for it. The number one thing is not that they'd be released. It's not that they wouldn't be beaten. It's not that they wouldn't uh, have to be in jail or prison. One thing they ask for, that they will never besmirch the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will never fail their testimony, even unto death. Amen? Amen. And so we have to stand. This is war. We're in a fight. And so he gives these three illustrations of a soldier who isn't double-minded. He does what pleases his commander. It's also the athlete who plays by the rules according to the righteousness of the game. And third, he is a farmer who doesn't give up but hangs in there to reap the reward of being thou good and faithful servant. And Paul then concludes and says this. Now, in verse 7, think over what I told you. Think about this. Meditate on this. Why would you have someone think about an idea? So that they would receive it and adopt it. 
and engage it. We are a people, we are a church that is so filled with teaching, but how much of that is actually engaged in our lives? Do you understand what I'm saying? We know a lot about the Bible. We know a lot about the gifts of the Spirit. We know a lot about praying. We know a lot about the chronology of the Old Testament and New Testament. We know a lot of Bible characters. But how many, how many of it, how much of it is engaged in your life? In other words, they put it this way, where the rubber meets the road, right? See, it's time to put our big boy pants on and walk like Jesus walked. John puts it this way, we are in this world as he was. What do you think he means by that? We are in this world as he was. We're to walk like he is, that he has. We're his hands and his feet. So he says, think this over, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Oh, okay. I'll take that. But what do you have to do to get understanding in everything? Think about it. Meditate on it. Consider it. Stop and understand what's being said. So I want to do that this morning with you in these last few minutes. What I want to do is engage you in this message to think about it and then engage it into your life. See, what I'm asking you to do is what Paul told Timothy. Commanded him to be a good soldier. To fight a good fight. And as a good soldier, don't be double-minded. Change your thinking to kingdom first. Secondly, be an athlete who runs according to the rules of the race. He set the rules. His righteousness. Thirdly, not, not the best you can. Right? I mean, you're running in a lane in a track race, and you're, well, my foot only fell out of it four times. Once is enough. <laughs> Run to win. And lastly, endure the race. As a farmer who endures to reap the harvest. And so, how are we going to do this and think about it? I bring up this story that Pastor Ronzel has told me numerous times, and it's stuck with me. And I want to use the principles from this story for you. It's a story about Lieutenant General Hal Moore. He was the commanding officer of Vietnam in 1965 at the Battle of La Drame. They were terribly beaten. It's the story that was put into a movie called When We Were Soldiers by Mel Gibson. And as the, this story goes, this commander was bringing, it's an early fight in the Vietnam conflict war. As they were trying to take this hill, the enemy just pummeled them. And in the middle of this battle, it's been recorded that some people saw General Hal Moore sitting under a tree, and it looked like he was sleeping. So at the end of this disgraceful battle, they pull him back, they bring him in, they want to court-martial him, they say, we've got witnesses that say, in the middle of this battle, you losing your men, you're under a tree sleeping. And he said, no, he testified, I was not sleeping. He said, I was doing three things. He said, number one, I was considering what's happening. I had to quiet myself, overlook this battlefield and consider what is happening right now. There's the prophetic. What is happening right now? Secondly, I have to consider what is not happening. Now that's huge. Many of us don't go to that step. 
What is not happening? And thirdly, what can I do to influence the outcome? They were just so impressed with those three principles and understood what he said. They've put them in the battlefield uh, manual that they're still in there and people study today. And so I want to engage you in this warfare and ask you right now as we would pray and ask you concerning being double-minded and following this race of the Lord and being faithful unto the end. What is going on right now in your life? What is not going on that needs to be and what can you do to change the outcome? Let's bow our heads.